0: King's Black Power, how you doing? I'm quite out of shape at the moment. At the moment when I'm lying down and I get an erection, it sort of looks like a motorcyclist emerging over the brow of a hill. I don't think women mind. I don't think women mind heavier, guys. I think women look at me and think, he would go down on me like a fucking parched spaniel. I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory that masturbation is a kind of summoning spell for your own rational mind. Because we're all so driven by hormones and by desire. Sometimes you have to have a wank to speak to your real self. <laughs> you have a wank, you go, oh, I'll just shag my ex one last time! I'll text me and I'll shag her! And then you come and a little voice comes on your head that goes, yeah, don't do that, mate. <laughs> It's weird getting older as well. When I was a teenager, ejaculating was like a firework going off. I'm 45 now. When I ejaculate, it's like Tim Robbins escaping from Shawshank. (laughs) So I'm from Glasgow, a city where people think that hepatitis B is a fucking vitamin. It's a very different city from Edinburgh. You know, there's a far lower crime rate in Edinburgh. Far fewer people get stabbed in Edinburgh. But there is a tragic side to Edinburgh. There are a lot more people here who need stabbed. (laughs) To explain Glasgow's attitude to you, right, this happened to me a couple of months ago. I was having a wee doze in the park because my career was going really well at that point. I was having a wee doze under a tree, and a guy came up to me and went, do you know your problem? You're fucking unapproachable. <laughs> it's like a sort of negative city. I went to a coffee shop one time. Two middle-aged women sat across from me, and they started to moan as they sat down about how long they thought the coffee was gonna take. <laughs> so nothing had happened, and they were both angry. And the coffee turned up, and the first one takes a sip and goes, that's not very good, is it? And the second one takes a sip of hers and goes, I don't even like coffee. (laughs) You see, they did that international happiness study. did a study of the world's happiest cities. Glasgow is right up near the top. What we can learn from that is that researchers do not understand sarcasm. I did a wee warm-up gig at the stand in Edinburgh a couple of weeks ago. I tend to go out through the car park these days because I've got a stalker. I've got an old woman stalking me. An actual old woman. I had a silent phone call the other day. I genuinely thought that she'd had a fall. <laughs> Anyways, in this car park, I heard a guy's voice behind me going, Mr Boyle, a couple of moments of your time there, please. And that really puts you in the back foot in Scotland. Because in England, a clipped voice can mean educated or business-like. In Scotland, a clipped voice means that you're a total fucking mental case. My father was a Church of Scotland minister, and I served six years for his manslaughter. couple of moments of your time there, Mr Boyle, please. <laughs> I love Scottish accents, man. I always think world leaders' names sound better than a Scottish accent. Netanyahu. <laughs> Sounds like a really cheap Glaswegian internet package. <laughs> with the Queen's 91st birthday a couple of months ago, we had a street party around my way with jelly and ice cream. Nothing to do with the Queen, we're just trying to flush out a local paedophile. <laughs> Why do they call the queen her majesty? Is she majestic? Really? I think of an eagle as being majestic, not a shuffling old woman who hasn't cracked a fucking smile since Diana died. I'm not having a go, I'm just saying she's not majestic. She looks like a fucking scrotum in drag, if anything. (laughs) The Queen has two birthdays a year, one each for her human and lizard forms. (laughs) I'm joking, of course, the Queen has an official birthday a couple of months after her real birthday, because that's how long it used to take her dad to say hip, hip, hooray. (laughs) Who's ooing that? He died in 1953, (laughs) but too soon went out to an evening of hard-hitting topical comedy, but some unacceptable remarks were made about George VI. Don't get me wrong, I want the Queen to live a long life, because the longer she lives, the more days we get off on holiday when she dies. At the moment, she's a long weekend, God bless her. If she makes it to 100, we're gonna get a fucking week off. Some people don't like the Queen as There's a thing a couple of years ago, there's a fund of money for very poor people to heat their homes in an emergency. The royal household trying to get hold of some of that money to heat Buckingham Palace. Heat Buckingham Palace. We don't want her dying in winter. A week off in winter is fuck all good to anybody. <laughs> we want her to go at the height of summer where we can turn into three weeks in Tenerife. <laughs> it's the funeral today, boys. Black armbands on the flumes. I actually think the Queen died years ago and they've just hollowed out her body and got that guy that played Gollum to wear her like a suit. (laughs) I understand, right? I understand there's two points of view. There's people who say the royals are a good thing. They bring in tourists. Then there's my point of view, which is, maybe if we concentrated on having a country worth visiting, we wouldn't have to parade the products of incest around the West End of London. (laughs) to try and sell fucking fridge magnets. Didn't Rove Harris do a painting of the Queen? Did I fucking dream that? Keeping his hands busy for a couple of weeks is the best thing she ever did for us. These next two jokes have been getting a mixed reception. Let's just see how you get on. Prince Philip retired from his royal duties recently so that he could concentrate full-time on projecting his soul into the body of Princess Charlotte. <laughs> oh, I'll look after Charlotte this weekend. She loves playing in my chalk pentangle. She loves it when I read to her from my ancient Aramaic spell book. I'll bring the regimental goat along. Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to put his soul into Charlotte's body, Charlotte's soul into the goat's body, and then kill the goat. <laughs> Prince William will come home and find that his baby daughter has cooked everybody a delicious goat curry. <laughs> but Philip will fuck it up, won't he? He'll say something racist to an ancient Aramaic deity during the spell. He'll end up with half his soul in Charlotte's body, half the goat's soul. Charlotte will grow up collecting Nazi memorabilia and eating thistles.
1: <laughs>
0: so there you go, that's how that joke goes. It sort of goes all right. There's the occasional person that applauds for what I assume are sectarian reasons. You did well with number one. Let's see how you do with number two. Prince William and Prince Harry have been fronting a campaign urging people to talk more about their mental health. And it's been very well received. Everybody thinks that this is a great idea. I wonder if Prince Harry ever spares a thought for the mental health of the families of the various shepherds that he gunned down from his 20 million (laughs) pound death helicopter (laughs) in Afghanistan. (laughs) I wonder how he justifies that to himself. I pictured Dodie's face on every shepherd I killed. (laughs) Every Arab we shot serves my mother in hell. I know that Afghans aren't Arabs, but I, Prince Harry, in this joke, believe that they are. That's Britain, man, exporting peace and democracy to the world. And what says peace and democracy more than being shot dead from a helicopter by a prince? This is modern Britain, you know? We've ended up with a Tory government again. I always knew that the Tories had come out on top, because Tories are far more ruthless, aren't they? Tories hate coming second, which is why they only fuck kids. <laughs> Surprised that joke didn't make the fucking pick of the fringe list. Theresa May looks like if the colour grey didn't care if you lived or died. She looks like once a year she lays an enormous stone egg from which hatches a perfectly formed human child, which she names Hope and then kills. (laughs) Theresa May is the first Nazi in history who can't get the fucking trains to run on time. When Ian Brady died, she didn't move on the list of Britain's 10 worst people. Whereas I went up one. She's had to bring Michael Gove back into the cabinet. Michael Gove, who looks like a haunted ventriloquist dummy carved from the yew tree that Operation Yew Tree was named after. So she's not just a terrible prime minister, she's also the worst person at controlling a party since Michael Barrymore. (laughs) I'm not saying she did a bad deal with the DUP, but Heathrow's third runway is gonna be in Belfast. (laughs) I don't trust the DUP. I don't trust anyone who's got the word democratic in their name. Isn't that a given? What's that doing in there? It's like calling yourself a non-rapist hypnotist. (laughs) The DUP said in their manifesto, we're gonna make Northern Ireland synonymous with progress. Is that not maybe aiming a bit high? Maybe try and get progress onto the list of the first hundred words that people think of when they think of Northern Ireland. Maybe try and get it above murder. I always think Wales aim a bit high as well. Oh, we're going to be more like Norway. Maybe try and be more like a post-apocalyptic Belgium. (laughs) Work your way up from
2: there. With a bit of effort and a lick of paint, we could be like a white Rwanda. I always think Rwanda sounds
0: like a wee Welsh place, you know? The lovely villages and valleys of Rwanda.
2: I first met my true love there when we were hacked to death with a machete during a a wave of genocide.
0: (laughs) I was offered my own TV show by Channel 5, but I wasn't prepared to put on 15 stone and become a paedophile. That's just too much weight, isn't it? You get to a certain weight, and you can't catch the kids anymore. <laughs> I always wonder, you know, paedophiles, when they're saying goodbye to each other, do they go, see you later, kiddie raper, in a wild paedophile? <laughs> I sort of hope that they do. I hope that there are some lighter moments in there, you know? <laughs> I don't really watch telly. I tend to watch YouTube, which has been ruined by adverts. Apparently, there's something about me spending five hours watching pensioners falling over (laughs) that suggests that I'm in the market for a brand new Lexus. (laughs) It's always interesting what they cut out on TV. I did uh, Alan Carr's chat show one time. It was a perfectly fine show, just wasn't really my scene. The warm-up was a sing-along. That's always a fucking danger sign. (laughs) And it was the week of the Winter Olympics. So the first act on were Torval and Dean. They were fucking ripping it up, Torval and Dean. And then I came on and Alan Carr said, oh, you've been watching the Winter Olympics. I don't know if you remember, the last time there was a Winter Olympics, a guy died on the first day on the luge. I said, yeah, I saw that guy dying on the luge. But there is a silver lining. He's coming back next year to compete in the skeleton bobsleigh.
2: (laughs) And not only did nobody laugh, Nobody but a huge fat black woman stood up in the
0: middle of the crowd and went,
2: what the fuck was that? (laughs)
0: And you could see Alan Carr catch it out of the side of his eye in panic. Sweat was rolling down his forehead. And we had to make it through this interview together. And all the time in the back of my mind, there's a little voice going, you're getting a lot less laughs than Torval and Dean. Because commercial channels can get really upset about jokes, you know? And you almost forget when you're talking to them, they sell adverts. They have the morals of a fucking mosquito. I did one on Channel 4 one time, and they showed this footage of a wee boy who was the world's youngest smoker. He was two, and he lived in the Philippines, and he smoked. And I said, don't worry, he doesn't smoke anymore. He's dead now. his little brother uses his skull as an ashtray. (laughs) And they got really upset. (laughs) They got really upset about that. And I watched the show when it went out. Not only did they not show that joke, they cut straight to an advert for the British Army. You know, there's adverts, join the army, get your fucking head blown off. (laughs) It was actually for the Navy, and they can't say join the Navy and kill people join the Navy and become the flesh workings of an enormous floating gun. (laughs) So they've got to pretend the Navy kind of helps folk. And in this one, they were rescuing a windsurfer. Because that happens, doesn't it? You're out windsurfing with your mates and suddenly you're five miles out to
2: sea getting picked up by a fucking battleship. (laughs) Welcome aboard, son! You're lucky we were passing! Just on our way to rescue a banana boat from the Chinese shipping lanes.
0: <laughs> My favourite one of these things ever, I did a joke. The guy that did the speaking clock died. And I did a joke, it must have been in a column or something that was along the lines of hopefully died after a series of small strokes. Because I got an email from a journalist at the Daily Telegraph, and he said, Well, actually, Mr. So and so did die after a series of small strokes. And I'm about to phone his family and ask them if they find your joke amusing.
2: Don't phone his family! They haven't fucking heard it! You're telling them that joke then! That's your joke now! What's that got to do with me? If someone projects a porn movie
0: onto the side of a primary school, the police don't go and arrest Ron Jeremy for it. (laughs) Do you know a real problem for comedians, and it never really gets mentioned, most people don't have a sense of humour. Like most people. I can remember when I first realised this, I was 13, I was at school, we were doing a class on stereotypes, And the teacher was a really good guy. He was just talking about how stupid stereotypes are. And he was talking about a stereotype that day that's so old fashioned and so Scottish, unless you're my age and you're from here, you won't have heard this. Have you ever heard the stereotype that deaf people are really strong? (laughs) That was a genuine thing when I was growing up. (laughs) Deaf people and particularly deaf and dumb people for some reason were believed to be really strong. And the teacher said, think how stupid that is. Have you ever seen a deaf contender for the heavyweight championship of the world? And me, age 13, I put my hand up and I went, there was one, sir, but he was disqualified for punching after the bell. <laughs> and nobody laughed. And I knew right then that life was gonna feel pretty long. can really tell if you've done your job properly as a comedian is, are you silenced by the security services? That's the test, right? Are you silenced by the security services? So if you ever open up your morning newspaper and see that I've been found hanged on the back of a hotel room door with an orange in my mouth, at least you'll know the security services didn't get to me. People get the wrong idea about me. They think I'm depressed or something. I'm not depressed. I don't wish that I was dead.
2: I wish that you were all dead. (laughs)
1: That's
0: it mate, just make a mad fucking rumbling noise at the end of that for no apparent reason. There's a lot of fucking coughing in this gig, isn't there? Just like a secret gig for the Make-A-Wish Foundation or something. <laughs> There's a guy up there, right, I don't want to alarm you, mate, but my uncle had that exact same cough, and he died from cancer. He was given three weeks to live, and he died in a week. He willed himself to die like a fucking dolphin. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't go out at night and ruin other people's entertainment. No.
2: <laughs> That's the
0: only pleasures I get in life now, making people feel bad about coughing and not letting them go to the toilet. You know? My ideal gig is someone suppresses a cough and bursts their fucking bladder open, right? <laughs> this is fun. I like this front row, man. This is good. Fucking Halloween on the Burns ward down here. How you doing, man? What are you doing, buddy? You look like a male model. Fronting a campaign, urging women not to leave their drinks unattended. (laughs) America's getting scary, isn't it? Like, properly scary. Donald Trump, to me, looks like someone playing a president in a porno. Would you bother with the hair if you looked like him? If you had a face like a novelty jug that was made in a secure unit pottery class, surely the hair is like putting 26-inch rims on a fucking wheelie bin.
2: Do you remember when you thought that George Bush was the bottom? Remember that? You thought, oh, that's the bottom. A guy who's so stupid, he can't really fucking speak. Turns out there's a whole thing underneath that. Goes all the way down to a
0: guy who looks like a melted action figure of He-Man. <laughs> Doesn't really have policies. The are more the sort of things a drunk would shout on a bus when he gets shaken awake by a pothole. <laughs> oh, build a wall! <laughs> i get my next door neighbour to build a wall and pay for it and all it cost me was the price of a thong to sunbathe in. That American election, that might turn out to be the biggest decision since the Second World War. I don't know about you, any time I hear that there's a big decision to be taken, I often think to myself, oh, I hope no Americans are involved in taking that decision. <laughs> I hope no one from a country that made eight Fast and the Furious movies gets any say in this. I hope nobody who finds James Corden funny I have nothing against James Corden, I just think he needs to start playing some smaller venues because I'm struggling to find a crossbow that doesn't have a fairly short range. (laughs) The Americans were fucked whoever they voted for, weren't they? Hillary Clinton was a murderous psychopath. The whole election was a bit like watching the Elephant Man try to decide which side to part his hair. Hillary Clinton is the only living woman that necrophiles can masturbate to. <laughs> Did that on Radio 4 and they fucking cut it out. Can you believe me? It? It's now my life's mission to try and get the phrase masturbating necrophile onto Radio 4. Even if it has to be the shipping forecast. everyday in black, northeasterly, masturbating necrophiles, southwesterly. Hillary Clinton, they said, didn't they? They said she's the most qualified candidate ever. She was an attorney and she was first lady. She was secretary of state. That's not the point. Peter Sutcliffe was an excellent truck driver. (laughs) It's the attitude that's the problem. I had two problems with Clinton's attitude, right? The first one was her brand of feminism. She didn't agree with female genital mutilation unless it had been performed by an American drone. (laughs) No point oohing, motherfuckers. That was literally her position, (laughs) And I can't get behind that, because I struggle to find the clitoris at the best of times (laughs) without having to paw through the rubble of Kandahar. (laughs) My other problem with Clinton was she couldn't pretend to be human just for long enough to get elected. Who can't pretend to be human? That's how relationships get started. You pretend to be human, you hold your farts in for a couple of years <laughs> until you can trap the other person with some kind of property purchase. <laughs> Sign here and here, oh, thank God. It's <laughs> relationships, isn't it? Oh, you seem nice. Yeah, that's because I'm trying to seem nice. Wait till you move in and find out I've got the mid swings of a fucking Vietnam vet. <laughs> I think we're in relationships because we don't want to die alone, which is why I've always planned on taking quite a few people with me. <laughs> I get a bit of hassle online from Trump fans. You know, the, um, what are they call the alt-right, the fascist cunts. <laughs> they're, they're not great debaters. Are they? One of their arguments says, get this, Adolf Hitler wasn't a fascist. Hitler was a socialist, because the Nazis were called the National Socialist Party. What they're doing there is they're putting an awful lot of faith in the words of Hitler.
2: <laughs> Never trust
0: Hitler, that's a good rule of thumb. Just because he said he was a socialist doesn't mean that he was a socialist. The Undertaker wasn't a real Undertaker. Good news, everybody. I've just had it all clear on my cancer from Dr. Dre. Let's celebrate. <laughs> People are always putting up a brave fight against cancer, aren't they? What a brave struggle he put up against cancer. Not me. I'm gonna lie down and die like a fucking dog. <laughs> I'm gonna slide off my chair mid-diagnosis. The last words I ever hear as my face hits the carpet will be easily treatable. (laughs) I honestly think Trump's so stupid, he'll change what the word presidential means. I think in a couple of years time, people will be going, oh, my uncle fell over and banged his head on a curb. He's been rendered completely presidential. (laughs) Do you know what he said? He genuinely said this the first day of the FBI investigation, he said, every time I pick up a phone, I feel like someone's listening. (laughs) He went to Saudi Arabia on his first foreign trip. Melania saw how women were being treated in Saudi Arabia and tried to claim asylum. (laughs) Poor Melania. (laughs) I've got a fantasy about Melania, but it's not a sexist thing. It's like a, it's a fantasy for Melania, right? I like to think that she's happy. I like to think that when she goes to the White House, she goes to a totally different bit. She never has to see Trump. And she gets double teamed by her yoga instructors <laughs> while her bodyguard stands in a corner waiting to be tagged in like a wrestler. <laughs> and very occasionally, right, she'll stand up and go, come at me, Agent 37. Uh, You know, like a martial arts instructor. Come at me. And he'll just move his weight forward very slightly. There'll be a blur of limbs and her pussy will be clamped over his face like alien. (laughs) Before he can crack the cyanide capsule in his tooth.
2: (laughs) You die on my terms, Agent 37! On my terms!
0: I don't know if that bit's staying in the show, I just really enjoy doing it. (laughs) I can't really think of anything to do with Agent 37's head when I've gotten it. I've thought of spitting into his mouth, but I don't want to ruin this fucking lovely carpet. (laughs) 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 Anyway, there you go. A wee bit of a a peek into the dream factory for you (laughs) What was I talking about there? Fuck nice. What else has been happening? Brexit. People are saying after Brexit, British people don't trust experts anymore. Experts aren't always right. My therapist said I wouldn't rape again. (laughs) The last
2: mistake that he ever made!
0: (laughs) See, I feel I've softened that rape joke by making it a male-on-male rape (laughs) against an authority figure. In a way, I feel I'm raping up. Because there's a controversy, isn't there? People think if you do a joke about rape, you must be advocating rape. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm completely neutral. (laughs) I do think we live in a rape culture. I know people try to deny that, but we do. We live in a deeply sexist society. And if you grow up in a sexist society, you become part of it. I grew up in it, I became part of it. I went out with women who were on the pill without knowing what the pill did. I thought weight gain and depression were side effects of going out with me. Women are oppressed, right? Women are so oppressed, you can't even have a female remake of Ghostbusters. Why people getting annoyed? Women are so oppressed, you can't do every movie as a female remake. If you did an all-female remake of The Hangover, three women waking up not knowing what had happened and seeing Mike Tyson would just be fucking sinister. <laughs> I do think we need to think about the language around rape as well, you know? Rapists get called predators. I think they probably like that. You're not a predator, mate. You're a fucking scavenger. The majestic lion of the Serengeti doesn't have to drug the watering hole and pretend to be a fucking minicab driver. <laughs> what was I talking about before I started rambling about rape? Brexit, yes. <laughs> Enjoyed voting in Brexit, not for the sake of democracy, it's just rare for me to be allowed into a scout hall unchallenged. (laughs) I like Europe, you know, I like the French. I like the fact that early on in French history, two French people sat down and decided whether nouns were men or women. Literally the most pointless thing that anyone's ever fucking done. What would you say a scun is? Is it, is it a man?
2: Yes, of course it is a man, you fool! Why do you even have to ask?
0: And what about lemons? Are are they also men?
2: Yes, they're little tiny, yellow men!
0: You're going to keep doing this for much longer because you can sense that the audience aren't really into it, are not (laughs) you? Oh yes, I might do the rest of the show in this stupid fucking voice. You haven't really written an ending for this beat, have you? This is going to be like that thing with Melania from earlier on. I haven't bothered to get the accent right. Why would I have written an ending? I do not care about endings. I only care about whether the concept of endings is itself male or female? <laughs> Eddie Izzard is better at this kind of thing than you. I prefer it when Eddie Izzard does these jokes about the French language.
2: That is because he is both a man and a woman!
0: <laughs> Go, I love a French man. Even in Beauty in the Beast, The beast is grumpy for a whole movie because he's got a hairy face. The French guy has been turned into a candlestick and does not give one fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a candlestick, what of it? I've set fire to my own head and face. I didn't need to do that. I'm self-harming and possibly committing suicide in the middle of a Disney movie because fuck everybody. I don't trust our Brexit negotiating team, by the way. I think our Brexit negotiating team would end up paying full price on a DFS sofa. (laughs) I certainly hope it isn't a hard Brexit anyway. If it's a hard Brexit, that means I've got about two years left to persuade a Lithuanian care worker to take my mum with her.
2: That's not true. She's dead. She's not. She's not. She's dead to
0: me. Fucking dead to me, cow! She's not. She's not. Most of this is jokes.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I think the funniest thing about Brexit is that UKIP have had to reposition themselves. Because they got what they wanted. They go out of the EU. Nobody gives a fuck about their other positions. It's like he hearing ISIS's position on wheelie bins or something, right? <laughs> so they've had to reinvent themselves as the party of Islamophobia. And they're doing that by expressing solidarity for groups that they think Islam discriminates against. So now they talk about women's rights and gay rights and all this kind of stuff. Imagine that. Imagine you're in UKIP. You're basically a BNP member who can afford van insurance. <laughs> and you've suddenly got to pretend that you care about gay rights. You know, the problem is in Britain, Steve, it's that I can't suck your cock because of Sharia law. <laughs> I'm gonna suck it, mate. It's not a gay thing. It's purely an act of political protest. <laughs> Do you know what UKIP are saying? Is there a reason they want to ban the burqa now? They're saying they're worried those women aren't getting enough vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, because you need really strong bones for fucking off back where you came from. <laughs> One of their policies in the election was, if women who are at risk of female genital mutilation, if they go abroad and then come back to Britain, we're going to examine them. Someone should tell you, Kip, there is nothing, nothing more typically British than going on holiday and coming back with a damaged vagina. (laughs) Britain's so racist, Europe's so racist. I really fear for refugees. I think the only hope for refugees now is that they learn to become aquatic. I think they'll literally need to develop gills and live in the sea. Hipsters will take a gap year to go and swim with the refugees. Have you swum with the refugees yet? It's absolutely magical. You can feed them fish, but it's actually better if you teach them how to fish. I don't want to sound like I'm too down on racists here. Some of my best friends are racists. Although, to be fair, they're black and they've got a point. I think Britain's racist because it doesn't understand its own history. Two thirds of British people think the empire was a good thing. I mean, not only was it an evil thing, it wasn't even a rational thing. The Victorians were all on cocaine,
2: all of them. <laughs> Queen Victoria was on cocaine and not the shit you take. You've never done a line of gone, let's invade India.
0: The way I see it, there's two types of resurgent racism in Britain, right? There's anti-immigrant racism, which must be galling if you're an immigrant, right? been told that you need to integrate more by people who spend their holidays pointing at a picture of egg and chips on a menu. (laughs) And then you get anti-refugee racism, and that's fucking mainstream in Britain, right? Mainstream newspapers, the Mail, the Express, run stories saying, oh, ISIS are infiltrating Britain disguised as refugees. Some of these refugees are agents of ISIS coming to Britain. That's not happening. I can prove that it's not happening. Because ISIS recruit people from here to go and fight in Syria, to go and fight in Iraq. Why the fuck would they be sending anyone? Do you think someone's phoning up ISIS tomorrow going, alright mate, I could nip down to London tomorrow and do a bit of terrorism? You're <laughs> afraid?
2: clinging to a mattress in the middle of the Mediterranean. (laughs) It's no bother, mate. I can get a day return on the (laughs) Megabus. No, you come here! Ahmed will do the terrorism! Ahmed is on a raft made out of old 7-Up bottles. He's fighting off sharks with a fucking Vailida super mop. He's got the British right where he wants them.
0: Two things happen. <laughs> Two things happen anytime there's a terrorist attack in Britain. One is that routine stops working. <laughs> and the other one is that routine gets proved to be right. Because those people are never refugees. Never mind recent refugees. That guy that did the Westminster attack, he was from Kent. He's a fucking nutter from Kent. I'm not saying it wasn't tragic. One of the tragic things about it is that he wasn't even the worst driver in London that day. He got three stars on Uber for that fucking trip. (laughs) I should say, I should say, Americans do need to worry about refugees, because a refugee in America might get involved in a mass shooting just to try and fit in. (laughs) I honestly think there'll be peace in the Middle East once the oil runs out, although knowing their luck, someone will invent a replacement that involves mixing sand with falafel. Apparently the British Army are going to allow women to fight on the front line for the first time, and I think that's a really good thing. Not for reasons of equality. I just really want to read an autobiography called I Lost a Tit in World War III. (laughs) There's a lot of debate about Trident renewal. I mean, I'm totally anti-Trident, but I think maybe instead of renewing it, we should just keep the old one. Because what is more sinister than an old, rusty nuclear weapon? Hey, North Korea, we just pulled this thing out of the back of the shed. Fuck knows what it does anymore. (laughs) It's a bank holiday Monday, and we've all been drinking. (laughs) Might go off at face height like a backyard firework, but do you want to take the risk? (laughs) (laughs) I think the way Britain works is that we... we minimise what we do to other countries, and we maximise terrorist threats to us because people are easier to control when they're a bit frightened. So you see that in planes, right? They've still banned fluids in planes, even though it's been proven. You can't make a bomb with fluids. I almost want it to happen, just to give the Nobel Prize Committee a bit of a headache this year. Well, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want to celebrate this guy. He's killed over 300 people. Then again, he did make a hand grenade using a Vix inhaler and some Lucozade. <laughs> We minimize what we do to other people, don't we? We say, oh, we have these precision-guided bombing missions. We have laser-guided precision bombs. You can't be precise if what you're delivering is high explosives. There's no point finding something like that if you're blowing it up like that. There's no point finding a clitoris if what you're finding it with is an uppercut. on propaganda there's two types of propaganda here right word and symbol so word you see it on the news they don't even say poverty anymore you know it's this they say disadvantaged people they're only saying poverty in the first place because you're not allowed to say fucked on the news
2: (laughs) hi I'm here in Glasgow where everybody's fucked they're all born fucked they're all gonna die fucked and in the middle we have an election where they get slapped
0: around the face with a cock made of lies And then you have symbolic propaganda. Now, the best way to think of that is, think of the Lion King as being a piece of lion propaganda. The other animals don't gather on the savannah to watch the new fucking lion getting announced. The lions eat everything that's down on that savannah. It's not a circle of life. It's a circle of fucking death. It's a circle of fucking death. And my children hate watching films with me.
2: Just a candlestick, Dad, gonna shut up till we see the movie! <laughs> this is how our propaganda works. Look at the stuff we're asked to admire. Business leaders, Richard Branson. That's the thing that's eating you. That's the thing that's privatising NHS. How am I supposed to admire Richard Branson? Looks like a fucking sun-dried beegee. <laughs> calls himself an environmentalist, runs a fucking airline.
0: (laughs) Calling him an environmentalist is like saying that Joseph Stalin ran skiing holidays. (laughs) He knows he's destroying the world as well. That's why he's building his fucking spaceship. He thinks he's gonna take off in his space rocket as the world crumbles beneath him. Oh, bye-bye everybody. The last thing he'll ever feel on his spaceship will be my shotgun at the base of his skull. (laughs) and my erection at the base of his spine. (laughs) Look at the mess we've allowed these people to make at the NHS as well. There was a ransomware attack on the NHS. It turned out the whole NHS has been run by Windows XP. That means there are people who've been told that they have cancer by a helpful (laughs) paperclip. Apparently some of the records have been lost forever, but the good news is, I'm HIV negative again, ladies. Imagine being Jeremy Hunt. Imagine being Jeremy Hunt if you ever have to go to A&E. He'll be the first person to have a sprained ankle treated anally. Sorry, Mr. Hunt, I'm afraid this is gonna involve quite a run up. I'd have liked to be a doctor. I think a sense of humor goes a long way as a doctor. <laughs> what do you mean you want a second opinion? You've already had one. He said it was Alzheimer's as well. <laughs> Tell you a job I'd have liked to have had. <laughs> I'd have liked to have worked on a bin lorry. That's the one job where you can really shout your fucking head off all day long, isn't it?
2: <laughs> Is that a bin over there? I'll go and get it. I'll bring it back up to the bin lorry! There's another bin! You get that one! We'll meet back at the bin lorry! I'll drive the bin lorry forward a bit! You two get the bins! They
0: could do that job in complete fucking silence, couldn't they? Just have a wee meeting at the start of the shift every day and go, let's agree that when we're out there today, we're going to pick up all the bins. Put them on the bin lorry. People say, don't they? People say that you only regret the things that you don't do. I don't know who said that first, but it's someone who's never broken two corkscrews trying to get an unlubricated parsnip out of their (laughs) arse.
2: My uncle always said, do
0: something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. He did heroin. Manco died recently surrounded by his friends and family. We knew he was claustrophobic and we all fucking hated him. <laughs> Family's overrated, isn't it? You know I think you get in restaurants where it goes, family-run business? Who gives a fuck? Who's sitting there going, I hope everybody involved in making this pasta are cousins. <laughs> hope the whole team that brought these fries to the table are locked in a bitter dispute about their niece's abortion. I want restaurants actually and pubs to go back to writing men and women on the toilet doors because I'm sick of trying to decode a rabbit in a top hat. (laughs) You make a snap judgment about a kitten wearing a monocle and suddenly you're on the fucking sex offenders register. (laughs) There's always a moment for everyone, isn't there? There's always a moment when you lose your childhood innocence. For me, it was the moment when I realized that Santa's sperm tasted exactly the same as my dad's. How you doing, buddy? I like your beard and glasses combination there. It's very fetching. How you doing, man? You look like you should be giving me unsolicited advice near a fruit machine. (laughs) You look like at some point in life you've had to pull a dangerous dog off your mum. (laughs) So you could have a go at fucking her yourself. I'm just bored and fucking with people now. How are you doing, little blonde guy that fucking has just stared at me like a serial killer for the entire show, barely fucking cracked a smile and has carried a backpack around like a fucking terrorist? You all right, man? You getting anything out of this? You're like a fucking Norwegian serial killer style dude, man. What's your angle, man? Where are you from? You're Russian. All right. I'm sorry, this has made absolutely no sense. <laughs> Fuck knows what you've made of all this stuff. Probably even the accent's quite difficult to follow, is it? A little bit. You're diplomatic, I like that. <laughs> He's found this a little bit difficult to follow. Man, I feel bad now, mate. Have you got anything out of it? Or has it just been It's like when I go and see a Maori war dance or something, isn't it? They're just sort of like. Okay, I accept this happens. Quite a fucking overweight ginger dude comes on, calls everybody cunts, and leaves. (laughs) (coughs) People seem to enjoy it. Good for you, man. Welcome aboard. Scottish people are very polite when they've not been drinking. Do you see that? (laughs) How are you doing, little Richard Branson fella? You alright? Fucking albino look down the front there. Alright, man. How's Trex? You Russian? You'd be a fucking sinister Russian man. If you're Russian, I'm fucking scared. You look like you've stepped through a time portal to warn me about something. How you doing, big chap? This is the general attractiveness rating of one of my audience. You're right in the fucking center of the control group. How you doing, man? During the 10 minutes that your photo was up on Tinder, you were left swiped so often, you now have whiplash due to voodoo. <laughs> I'm an atheist, I'm not a militant atheist. I was a very bad Catholic, unless you include attitude to condoms, in which case I was a fucking amazing Catholic. <laughs> Do you know what I only remember the other day? Do you remember that thing in confession, there was like a grill between you and the priest? That's how dangerous these guys were. (laughs) Before you could say anything that might turn him on, he had to be behind bars almost. (laughs) Without that grill, you'd have been doing your 10 Hail Marys with a face like a fucking Chelsea bun. (laughs) But I'm not a militant atheist, you know, because I think, if you live in a society that has religious intolerance, you've got to watch yourself for religious intolerance. So we've all got bits of it. For example, if someone said to me, well, my friends are Hare Krishna, I would immediately assume that they were a white guy who had totally lost it on drugs. Because <laughs> I've taken acid and I've thought, if I just double the dose here, all my worries are over. I'm smashing myself in the face. What a symbol outside John Lewis. No more school runs. Hari, Hari, Hari Krishna. I don't like celebrity atheists either, you know, because I think religions have done some good things. The Quakers fought against the Vietnam War. Liberation theology in Central America. They all got killed just for standing up for poor people. And what's the reward? To be looked down on by Ricky Gervais. I don't need Ricky Gervais to tell me that God doesn't exist when I watched Derek get recommissioned twice. <laughs> I also worry, you know, I worry that m- atheism is maybe a kind of gateway into meditation and mindfulness and all that bollocks. I think meditation's just a thing we came up with to get rid of people who are annoying us. <laughs> oh, I'm having all these terrible problems with my thoughts. Yeah, what you need to do is go and sit over there, and be very, very quiet (laughs) for an incredibly long period of time. (laughs) Takes a really long time to get this right. Concentrate on your breathing rather than your talking. (laughs) In fact, go to China! Go to China, sit on a mountain and shut the fuck up over there. (laughs) I was walking down the street the other day, saw a homeless guy, I went to give him some money. I realized that only had a 20 pound note. I thought, I really want this money being spent on drugs? And I decided that I didn't, so I gave it to the homeless guy. (laughs) You only get this in London. People go, oh, don't give him money. He'll only spend it on beer and fags. I'd always assumed that they were spending it on beer and fags. I've never given money to a homeless guy and thought, well, I hope he's putting that into his ISA. I don't really trust the super rich. I don't trust anyone who wants to own a yacht. You've been in a yacht, it's like being in a travel lodge on roller skates. (laughs) The only reason anyone would want to own a yacht is so that they can abduct children, (laughs) sail them into international waters, fuck them and dispose of their bodies. (laughs) And that's what everyone who owns a yacht is doing. Don't care who it is, J.K. Rowling. (laughs) I have to say, for legal reasons, that J.K. Rowling is not fucking and killing children in international waters. To the best of my knowledge. Why would she kill her own revenue stream? It's all a big conspiracy. Sea levels aren't rising. It's just the weight of dead, fucked kids. (laughs) The sea isn't even salty. Do you know there are now hotels for the super-rich? There are hotels for the super-rich that are so exclusive that when you phone down and ask for an extra pillow, that's actually a code word. It's actually a code word for a prostitute. Imagine that, you phone down, you ask for an extra pillow and a prostitute turns up. Now you have two prostitutes. (laughs) And only one pillow to smother them with. It's been a pleasure talking to you, take care of yourselves, all the best.